Hello and welcome to Silence, a podcast where women get really honest about surviving and thriving in what often feels like a man's world. My guests are wonder women from the fields of science, technology, engineering and mathematics or STEM, where inclusivity and diversity can be a real problem. I know this only too well as a female Southeast Asian mechanical engineer. I'm kind of a minority within a minority. I'm Dr. Shinny Somara, an engineer turned broadcaster. Throughout my career, I've worked on and reported on some cutting edge technology and innovation. And through my TV work, I've met some incredibly inspiring women from a diverse range of STEM fields. Talking to these exceptional ladies has often left me feeling empowered, hopeful and excited about life. I believe silence will enrich you too. Every week, a woman in STEM shares her unique experiences with absolutely no pressure in having to promote her accomplishments or guard her impressive reputation. Because I've come to realise that everyone is just way more open and relaxed when they're anonymous. So I've deliberately disguised my guest voices so that we're just connecting as human beings rather than human doings. It's my hope that you really relate to what we chat about today. If so, please do subscribe to Silence and maybe even rate and review the show. I'd love to have your feedback. This week, my guest is in the field of fintech. Hi. Hello, Shani. How are you? Good, good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Do you know, fintech is something that I always hear about, but um, as a mechanical engineer, I always think of fintech as being the fins on some kind of rotating blade, but it's not that, is it? No, it's basically um, a combination of technology and finance. Ah, okay. Um, so that's the way you basically apply technology to the financial world in different aspects. Um, it could be anything which is which goes to compliance, which is basically making sure you have full control of the bank or financial institutions, which actually been quite popular recently. Um, or it could be anything to do with analytics, data, number crunching, which go through technology platforms. Mm. Um, so it, it actually has a different aspects. Okay, and so what aspect uh, did you end up in? I actually did work in different aspects. Um, so as yourself, my, uh, my background is in electronic and uh, automotive engineering. Oh, wow. um, and I started to work for large automotive companies um, where, I was, where I started my internship. And uh, I did my MBA and moved to financial technology because years back, this is around 15 years ago, I actually realized that was a growing market. Mm. Um, so I did start with um, uh, analytical technology, and that was when um, it, we were developing large platforms to number crunch all the data, which was provided across um, millions of financial institutions and including all the banks across the globe, and let and give that back to the banks to analyze the data to to basically look into competitive analysis, client analysis. Um, and they could use that in a different way, which could be uh, uh, being like doing um, client targeting or basically um, in CEO offices and uh, um, in, in senior offices in investment banks, they would do strategic analysis and, uh, and, and performance analysis to see what's happening. Um, and then later, I actually moved to more compliance technology when, when after the um, financial crisis, because then um, it, it, the banks acquired to have more control of what's happening internally. And then the compliance technology came out when they were using, when we were, we were developing platforms to be able to control and record what's happening to the banks internally and also what's happening uh, when they send something to clients um, and, and all the kind of transactions between banks and their clients. Wow. I mean, I must say, you know, you might relate to this having studied um, electrical and automotive engineering, that what you're doing now is a lot more scary, um, it sounds like, than (laughs) engineering where you're just kind of, you know, figuring out how things work and inventing things and being maybe a bit more creative. Yes, I think anyone who's studied or worked in engineering um, uh, sector, they, they definitely have that creative structure mind, and that actually helped me with my career path. Um, the good thing with doing engineering is that you're actually doing something tangible. 
Um, mm, exactly. Yeah, yeah, we should actually separate that from doing financial technology because yes, you you actually still trying to do something uh, which is interesting for society for the market, but um, mm. but it's not actually as tangible. Yeah, I think that's exactly what I mean. Like you know, with engineering, it's very hands-on, very sort of you know, nuts and bolts, quite down to earth. Um, but what you ended up going into is kind of very abstract, it feels like. No, absolutely. And I do miss that sometimes. I really miss my engineering. Um, and then sometimes I actually feel like maybe I should go back to uni and uh, pick up a few courses and actually go back because I haven't done this for around 10 years. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, yeah, it, it is actually, I think it's such a nice, I don't know what to call it, probably mindfulness. <laughs> uh, what, the engineering? Engineering, yeah. 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 Relaxed and calm, um, kind of sort of career compared to what I'm doing now. So. Really? So why did you make the switch? What was driving you? It just happened, to be honest. So um, when I was in engineering, I mean, look, considering that there are not many females, and to be fair, they were hardly probably no women in any teams I ended up working. Um, yeah. When I started with a large automotive company, which is actually is a multinational, huge company, but um, the team I was in were 40 people, and I was the only woman um, in the team. Yeah. Uh, and obviously that was great, but that changed the entire dynamic of the team, uh, made it more positive, they become more sociable, it's quite interesting. And... Um, and then I also work for more, when I moved to the UK, um, I actually started to uh, work more kind of boutique, um, automotive um, uh, content companies. And uh, uh, still, I was the only woman. Um, yeah. To the point that it would happen when, when clients and customers would come, they actually, I have a little, I have a bit of unusual name, so they wouldn't know if I'm a female or male. And they, they were coming for meetings, uh, they would always think I'm a PA. Uh, until they would see my card and they were like, oh, it's you. Um, it, yeah. it, was, it, it was totally different. But at some point I decided to do my MBA because I thought I really like to get to know things from top down and have an overview of technology sectors and various heading. Because I felt like, you know, as a woman, you might find it a little bit challenging but at the same time, there's a bit of advantage of that because women also have lots of soft skills and management skills, which actually could help them to go on top of the ladder. And that's mm. what I wanted to do. Um, so I applied for a part-time MBA, but my university called me back and said, part-time MBA didn't have that many applicants, so we have to move you to full-time. So I had to take a, a year and a half um, break to do intensive MBA. And by the time my MBA finished, for some reason, I kind of moved into financial technology. But actually, my aim was to come back again to the engineering sector. So, mm. so why why engineering in the first place? Um, I think since I was one, I just wanted to be an engineer. I, I was very good with math. Uh, I liked technology. Um, and um, that, that was my passion. So. Really? And so as a child, what were the telltale signs that you were born to be an engineer? Um, I really was, I had a very structured mind. I always liked to build things. And um, I, I, I was always amazed by drawing kind of archi architectural kind of, you know, drawings. Um, yeah. Sketching. And uh, I love math. So I never, I never ever studied or did any homework in math, but I always had the maximum grade to the day that I finished my university. Um, wow. For me, math was like an art. So I love to do it. So. Mm. so is that in your family? Like, were you inspired by your parents in some way? Or like, where does this kind of gift for mathematics come from? My father, actually. He was very good yeah. at math, yeah. And, and is he in STEM? It is, yeah. And then a few of my cousins from my father's side actually became quite good engineers. Um, really? Ah, okay. So you had that influence from very early on then? I think I did, yes. Mm. Yeah, it's so interesting that you made that transition. Um, when you were one woman amongst 40 engineers, like, what did that feel like? Um, good. I actually... 
I think it's, it's, it really depends on the, your team. I was quite lucky. Um, but in the, the beginning, you might find it a bit difficult because also as a woman, you have that tech brain and you have the skills. You're not necessarily having that masculine culture and personality. And I'm a yeah. very feminine person myself. Um, I always like to wear dresses, do my makeup, get my hair done. And um, I think, and, and I didn't necessarily wanted to speak about cars and football on my breaks or when mm. I was living with my colleagues. So I found that in terms of cultural thing, I, I found it quite difficult uh, to fit in. But at some point when my colleagues got to know me better and we start to work on projects together, and that's one of the great things with engineering. You do lots of group projects and mm. you get to know each other much better and uh, compared to any other careers I did. And uh, then they actually totally started to respect me and my interests. Um, so I think it's really all about, it is a bit difficult to adjust to that tech, tech culture if, if you're working with lots of men. But I think you need to be confident and you respect your interests and your personality and they will respect you in long term. So, mm. I mean, how did you... How did you know to do that? I mean, maybe because you grew up around engineers, maybe you just had that uh, support, subconscious support driving you forwards. Um, it's quite interesting because um, a lot of um, childhood friends I had, totally coincidentally, they end up to be majority of them were boys. And I think I learned that men have to respect who you are and your interests. And you don't, you don't need, you don't necessarily need to adjust to, you know, to be masculine or be like men. You can be yourself, and and you know, and, and I always had that mindset. Yeah, um, and that really helped me, I guess. Yeah, yeah, which is a really difficult thing for some women to grasp because you know I think there are women who are very outnumbered in a male-dominated industry, but they're strategy is actually just to become more like the men but it doesn't sound like you took that option no i didn't and, and interesting enough there are certain things that um you adjust to and um, i was actually in um, um i was in a seminar where one of the top professors of um communication um i don't know if i can mention the university because i know we want everything to be anonymous but uh, she basically started to speak about communication and how communication is different uh, when it comes to men and women. And uh, that, that is something actually I, need, I think you need to adjust to anyway, because the way that men communicate uh, by bed, is, it might be a little bit different from women. Mm. And uh, I think that's... What are the differences? It, it, there are plenty of differences. So it's interesting. She, she was mentioning anything uh, like, um, you know, men don't say sorry as often. And if yeah. you end up to say sorry, they might actually undermine you. Um, right. Uh, yeah. so and, and also another interesting thing, which actually relates to me quite often, and uh, lots of my female friends always complain about it, is, you know, with women, if, if you actually open your heart and you, you, you know, complain about something or you're upset about something women just want to listen um mm. but i think with men if you actually go to them and you start to speak about something they look at they look at it as a problem and they try to give you solutions yeah yeah um, so that's very interesting if they come to you one day and say oh no i just had a problem with my boss i had this conversation they don't expect you to say just to you know reply back and say oh i hope you're okay they, they really expect you to say oh really let's sit down Let's see what's going on. Let me see what I, how I can help you, or maybe I can introduce you to someone, or let me speak to your boss. Um, they're always looking, you know, they, to solve the problem. Yeah, they, they basically communicate to to resolve something, and they expect if, if they're coming to you and they either don't open themselves, or if they do, they expect some solution. Mm. But you know what I found confusing as an engineer, and you might relate to this, um, is that engineers are always looking to problem solve. Yes. And so as a woman in engineering, when um, female friends, you know, not in STEM, but like when female friends come to me or even male friends, I'm always looking to find a solution for them. You know, so that means that I actually don't have a very feminine, 
I don't fit the feminine norm on that because, you know, I, I just want to help people by finding a solution. Yeah, no, I totally agree, and definitely. And I, I had a sister I'm very close to, which is my only sister, and we're really close. But that's one of the things that she's, we still don't understand about each other. So <laughs> yeah. she doesn't think I don't open up about everything. Um, and I'm, I, I, my reply is, no, because there's no point for you to listen to my problem, because you cannot resolve it. Um, and equally, every time she complains about something or she trying to speak about a day and the problem she had, I immediately come back with solutions. Yeah. Um, you're not being and, the listening lady that exactly. is the stereotype. Communication <laughs> is very different. So it also happens with friends. Um, if I really need to see a friend to catch up, I just drop a line and say, hey, are you free for a coffee or for lunch or for drink? Mm. Um, but actually, you know, and, and, but, but actually my other female friends might call me. They want to speak on the phone for hours. You know, which which actually for me is not that practical because I think, yeah. oh, we just go and see you for coffee and we just speak face to face. There's no point for me to also be on the phone for one hour. Uh, so I think I totally I think, relate to that. Oh my gosh, yeah. I feel like we found a little hidden secret here, which is that maybe women in engineering have quite similar characteristics to men in engineering, but when we're actually in a male-dominated engineering environment, we really stick out because we are in female bodies with slightly male tendencies. Yeah, I actually think that's amazing because then you have a good understanding of how working with men and women. And, um, you know, and I'm very grateful because even... Even since I moved to fintech, I'm still working with lots of men in financial institutions. Lots of my clients are senior, like some of them are from like old boys club. Yeah, and um, and I still find it very different easily. I've, you know, be myself and still deal with them, and they still like to communicate with me in a professional way, and they feel comfortable about that. And I think that's because I learned how to be like a man and how to be like a woman and how to look at things from a men's view and women's view. Yeah. We are women anyways and we have something by birth and we are close to our mothers, our sisters, our female friends, but it's actually a great plus that we've been out there and we learn how to, you know, how men look at things. Mm. So, Yeah, I can definitely see the advantage. Um, I can definitely see... Um, the positives in kind of growing and evolving in a male-dominated environment because you, as someone in a minority by being female, you do end up having to learn how to thrive in these very male-dominated environments. But have there ever been times in that growth process where you've really felt... um, I don't know, almost disadvantaged for being a woman. You know, if men just insist on not listening to you or insist that you cannot be as bright as them because you're female, like, has that ever got you down? Or you, have you been stronger than that? Oh, yeah, no, definitely. You you have that all the time, I think. Especially with men who don't know you enough. Mm. Um, and that's actually getting much better now compared to... 15, 20 years ago mm. when I moved to engineering. Is that because of age? Like you just gain confidence with age? You do. And I think the same, similarly, if they see a young girl coming out of the uni yeah. and you're dealing with senior male engineers, well, I think young engineers, they just got out of the uni, they work with women in the same projects and, and they actually might respect more. And um, but I think I, I found that quite difficult. I think one of the jobs I had as an engineer, I had to basically manage the workshop. And um, one of the one of the um, older male engineers in the workshop was super talented, super skilled, but um, he actually didn't want to listen. Mm, yeah, it took probably a year to actually listen because for him it was more like. You know, I, I don't want to take orders or be managed 
by a young female engineer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well done for sticking it out for a year. I think, you know, like after a few months, I would have been so like ground down by just not being able to be heard. You know, I was quite lucky because another guy in the workshop was also similar age to him and uh, he had a daughter and I think yeah. he was always there on my side. Yeah. Um, and, and I was very lucky that I had him there. Mm. Um, the rest of the team were quite young. Um, and that helped me. It was just one person I had to deal with. And he was a very nice person with a good heart. Yeah, yeah. around the field, and I actually, um, uh, I remember I kind of damaged my leg or ankle, I don't remember. And he really helped me. So he was actually quite a nice person. Yeah. It's just that his mind was like, okay, I'm an engineer with many, many years, probably 40 years experience. And he didn't understand the two different things. He obviously had this skill and his skills were far better than me and his experience were amazing. But me actually managing him didn't mean that I was more skilled than him and he couldn't actually differentiate. Mm, yeah. I mean, we always hear that having role models is essential for women in STEM. But actually, you know, I completely resonate with your story because it's not necessarily having female role models it's actually just yeah. seeking people that believe in you whether they're male or female i, I totally agree it doesn't need to no. and i and i always believe you don't just need to have one role model anyway mm. you always could you always could have a few role models and uh, especially if you're in the environment which is very male dominated it's very difficult to find a female yeah role but I think it's also quite tricky, um, especially for young sort of like graduates to keep themselves safe because, you know, there is a danger that uh, our vulnerability and our naivety can actually be taken advantage of. And so when we are seeking mentors and role models, um, if we only have a large group of men to choose from, we have to be careful that we're not um, becoming prey. Yeah, that's very true. And I think I think one thing which could really help is for women within within that organization to basically build a kind of um, uh, a group of women who are actually supporting each other. Um, I think that's actually quite important. Totally. Yeah. Did you ever experience a culture amongst any women at work that was not supportive? Oh, yes, I had that as well, many times. And how did you deal with it? Um, what was it like, first of all, and how did you deal with it? Um, it's quite interesting because, you know, I'm, I walk, I have to say the majority of the time, I work with women who were really supportive. Um, but it, it was a few occasions. They find it quite difficult. Um, I mean, I had difficult situations that at the end of the day, I have to go to the high management mm. and actually build it up. Um, because I think sometimes women feel treated of working with other women. Yeah. Um, and that's very sad um, because that, that's, something, that's something that I saw more with women than men in general. Um, but... I think the best thing is you try to get friends to them. You get, you know, you, you get to understand them better and see where they're coming from. Um, so one of one of one of the female bosses I had, which I found extremely difficult to, to the last day I was working with her, um, she basically came in, and in the team we were two girls and the rest were men, and she immediately fired one of the girls. And um, who had actually was very experienced, and she had to be immediately removed from the team. It was quite a shocking experience for her. I remember she was crying, <laughs> and um, and I stayed, and she gave me a really hard time mm -hmm. to the point that I felt like she really wanted me to. And and I had a very good support from the top management because I worked with them. I also I wasn't that senior, but I always done projects with them. Mm -hmm. So I had a good reference. So she couldn't actually do the same to me. But I felt like she really, to the day she was there, she gave me the hardest time she could. So I actually resigned myself and I didn't. Oh, 
Uh, and then she, then the interesting thing was, she actually hired someone, a woman that she knew from outside. And then later when I got to know her better, I just realized that she wasn't confident enough mm. and she was in an organization that she was really pushed down by her bosses, male or female, and she always wanted to build her own team. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I actually, yeah, so I think the best thing was, I mean, with her, I tried to have lots of meetings, go for lunch with her, go for coffee, try to understand where she's coming from. And I've done that with a couple of other managers, and by that time, everything was fine. Because when they got to know me better, and I got to know them better, the problem was resolved. And with her, actually, to the, to the day she was there, and she was my boss, I found it quite difficult. And I eventually, I had to go to um, um, kind of uh, MD and just say, look, let me just get out of that team. Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't, and, and he didn't want to because I, uh, my contribution was quite good to that team. Right. So I went to basically do an extension of that team and start to manage that and build totally a new business mm-hmm. on the side of that team where she wouldn't actually manage me anymore right. and the MD would manage me. Um, so yeah, that's how we end up to resolve the problem. But that was one of the hardest time I ever had in my career. Gosh, yeah. I mean, it's 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 so tricky because, you know, those threats um, stem from insecurity, basically. Well, yeah, no, definitely. It is yeah, because you know she was insecure for her own uh, career growth, um, yes. and you know, and therefore you know, it, it, it probably looks terrible because you're a female and, you know, it's very threatening, but, you know, you're, it's so multi-layered, isn't it? Because I think people are, you know, they they, they feel insecure. It's like the bully culture. Like bullies are often extremely insecure and that's why they... Oh, I totally agree. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I, I totally agree. And it's quite sad because um, you could actually, I think... As a woman in a very male-dominated team, you could actually build a very good, strong, you know, network of other women in your team, and you could really enjoy your job. Mm. Because then I was working with women, and my boss would kind of every time we were working very hard, and that was the same company with different team, and we were working really hard. But anytime we would have a little bit of break. Um, she would definitely she would go like oh girl let's go for a quick shopping and come back for an hour or you know we, we would just go out or we would go for afternoon tea or we would basically um, set up kind of um, client entertainment and basically take the female clients for afternoon tea or fashion shows and I really enjoyed working with her because and, and it actually encouraged yeah. you to stay walk longer you know, do a better performance. Yeah, so. and it also uh, kind of gives you permission to be wholeheartedly female, sounds like. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Because I think one of the real struggles is uh, not really knowing how to be female in those kinds of environments because there's such a strong sense of apologizing for being female in male-dominated industries. Did you ever feel that? On the, all, all the time, yes, I, I totally agree. It just, you just, you need to be confident, and you, and I think that comes with age. I think when I was younger, probably it took me five years to stop wearing suits with big shirts. Um, yeah, <laughs> it took you, it took you five years to stop wearing suits with big shirts. That's hilarious. Yeah. So, what kind of stuff do you wear now? I'm just wearing what I like. I, I wear dresses. Um, I wear skirts. I hardly have any trousers in my wardrobe now. So why? On the weekends. In the weekends. So, so why? Why? What? What changed? I think I just became confident. It was to the point. It, 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 I think the, actually the change happened very gradually. And um, 
I came back when you're asking me. I remember the moment I realized it's okay to do that was I had actually a mail box. And uh, I just came back from uh, from the wedding and I, I was wearing red um, nail polish. And on my lunch break, I just left and I removed my nail polish and I come back. And my boss actually looked at me and he was a very nice person. And he's like, uh, oh, so you actually, you, you've been removing your, your nail polish. And I was like, yeah, you know, in the work environment, it's not right. And he said, no, not at all. Just be yourself. Do whatever you like. And it's funny that he actually encouraged that compared to any other female bosses mm-hmm. I had. And then, and then, um, and then he basically, and, and he was a very nice guy. He had daughters himself. So I think, I think male bosses who have daughters, they understand women more, and it's much easier to work with them. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. So it, it actually just so I just started to feel comfortable. So slowly, I start to wear more like longer dresses. Um, Later, a little bit, you know, in the right kind of, you know, maybe a little bit shorter, but obviously right size because we almost had a coat, the dress code that worked. Um, so I started to slowly put my hair down, do a little bit of makeup. And I did it actually gradually, but every time I was feeling like I feel better and nobody really kind of doing, you know, reacting negatively to what I'm doing. So... Yeah, that yeah. was just a stereotype, you know, and that was a myth in my head. But actually, in reality, and nowadays, I do my makeup the way I want every day. One day I have it heavy, one day I have it light. I do my whatever I want with my hair. I wear whatever I like. I'm not going to create. Uh, it's fine. Um, yeah. Uh, just, it, it just I, I feel like a warm glow just knowing that age has allowed you to accept yourself for who you are. It's so important, but yet we, we don't really have much of that when we're young. No, unfortunately, yeah. Younger. No, and you just, I think on those years, you just get into your career, you want to get this done, you want to be part of the team, um, and that's all your focus. So many times we forget about ourselves <laughs> and our interests. Yeah. So... Now, are you ever faced with the kind of unconscious or conscious bias? And how do you cope with it today when people are making assumptions about you? Um, it's funny. I mean, it, it hasn't happened recently. Um, uh, maybe because people are working with they've known me for years. Um, yeah, uh, it's quite easier. But oh, actually, I do. I mean, nowadays, assumption a lot coming when I go out um, for personal things. So I can still feel like um, when I kind of you know go somewhere with my husband, and I very much get related more to him. And uh, when I open the conversation, you know, speaking about the market, about technology with other men, and I think in the beginning, if they don't know my background, they're not really interested. I'd rather have that conversation with my husband. Also, he actually might know less than me. <laughs> and he would just try to say, you know, you should, should, should have this conversation with my wife, actually. Um, so you do get that. And um, and I think, you know, again, because me, I myself, I would love to have my makeup. We like to get my hair done. You, you do get that sometimes, um, that you, know, you, you go out, even with women, I think, may female or male might not take you out serious because they don't know your background. And once they know what's your background, what you're doing, where you're coming from, you can see the face totally change. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I must say, when I when I was faced with um, unconscious and conscious bias, it used to break my heart because I found it so exhausting having to prove myself over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, but I've also got to an age now where I actually don't care what other people think. And that has been one of the most liberating things of my life. Um, and it sounds like you've gone through a similar journey. No, no, I, I, I totally agree. Yeah, that's very true. You just, you just don't care because you have that confidence inside. So, Yeah. And I'm just wondering, like, do you know of any sort of milestone moments in your life that actually allowed you to drop this idea of other people's opinions being important? I really feel that I really feel it has to do 
with your internal confidence because I, I, I feel like it's coming up, it's going up and down. And um, when I think when you're inside, you know who you are and what you're doing is right and you're comfortable with what you're doing and that makes you happy. You don't really care about what other people think. Yeah. And that's probably why um, when you're when you're newly graduated, um, it's not necessarily a female trait to have self-doubt. It may be just like a graduate. I agree because you meet lots of male graduates who are not feeling comfortable. Um, yeah, I totally agree. It's really a combination at that point. It's not just about you just suddenly entering a male-dominated environment who's actually built by men and it's been managed by men for years and the entire structure of your, man, your, your, your company and your team is actually built by men so you actually mm. quite find it difficult to fit in. It's not just that. Yeah. I, think, I think it's also because of your confidence as a graduate and uh, you're totally coming to a new environment and looking at engineering, yeah. you obviously, when you, when you study technology, you learn the basics but wherever you go, you actually have to start from scratch because every company, yeah. you know that as much as I know, that every company has their own different product, their own way of working, their own different, you know, their own technology. It's totally different compared to kind of other kind of careers, I, I think. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, definitely predominantly in technology, but I think any industry, you know, either, you know, as, when you first graduate, you're entering into very uncharted territory. Um, but even if you take a break, you know, after childbirth or, you know, you're you're kind of coming back a little bit unsure of where things have progressed. And so that can that can knock someone's confidence. Well, majorly. And I have to say, I actually felt less confidence after I had my son. Really, graduate because at least when I was graduating, I was still at university. I was studying with in my class with 150. I went to one large type universities in Europe, and I had 150 150 students in my class. In my class, so I still Mm. did study with them. I still had to deal with you know lots of companies running projects for them. So I still had that background. Also, I was graduate, but I think you staying at home six months to one year with your child and totally do something different. Just you. It's just you having that experience. Yeah. And, and it's, you know, it, it is, and you come back and it's funny because I went back to work. I, put, I was off for less than a year, but it still was quite a long time. And when I went mm-hmm. back, I went back to the same job, which I've done for 10 years the same, not the same job, but the same company I was there for 10 years, mm. the same job I've done for four years. And I, and I felt lost. And I yeah. remember certain things. And then when I was back, I immediately had all these meetings and stuff for, you know, products I launched originally or I developed. And sometimes I was like, did I do that? <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh my gosh, that's so fascinating. Yeah. I yeah. mean, do you think it's because technology had advanced so rapidly while you're away, or do you think it was biological, or I mean, maybe a combination of everything? It was a combination. I think it definitely had some biological thing into it. Um, mm. I totally felt like I was using, I wasn't using some part of my brain when I was away. Mm. So my my advice to lots of mothers is that when when you have a child, take your time to stay with your kid at home. That's a good thing to do. But making sure that you actually do something, maybe follow some uh, online course or, you know, or online podcasts or technology or studying something, maybe taking on a course which is not very intensive, but you're still in the market without having the stress of work and expectations, but you're actually reading and you're understanding what's going on and try to actually set up... Um, uh, regular meetings with your colleagues uh, or drinks. It doesn't need to be you going and having formal meetings. None of no company would actually reject, and, and they would love it if you once a month go and have a meeting 
with your colleagues. Like a catch up. A yeah. Catch up. yeah That's actually a great idea. No company would, every company would love it. And actually, but sometimes you can actually suggest something, say, you know, I'm, I'm actually staying home now for a year. But if there is a project that I can do from home slowly, maybe I can write a press release. Uh, something which is not really uh, depend on deadlines. So you won't have that pressure. But something you can do, and they love it. Sometimes they say, oh, you know what? There is this new technology that's coming up, and we don't know anything about it, and nobody has time to take that course. And within this one year, we're going to support you, and we're going to sponsor you to do that online. And, you know, you, you it, it actually helps a lot, because you go back with something new, you learn, and you still feel like you can do a huge contribution to your firm, and they will love it. They don't. Lots yeah. of people actually. The problem is when you go back, it's not just about you; it's about others because the the companies are changing all the time. The turnovers are quite high. So you know yeah. Some people don't know you. You don't know them. You don't know how to work with them. Uh, they don't know your history, and where you come from. Yeah. And, um, and 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 also. And then also, as a mother, your priorities have changed as well. It has changed, yeah. I think the culture is still, I mean, at the moment, I know, and I've been involved quite a lot with diversity in different aspects, gender pay gap and stuff. But I think the next thing that we women have to think about is motherhood. Because I work for large firms. When I, when I went back after maternity, I changed my job to a large multinational firm who's very well known and is always on top of the league of having an amazing gender diversity, but mm. they couldn't support, they couldn't, as a mother, I couldn't fit in within that culture. So I would definitely separate that. And I think that's the next thing that we women should think about when everything is settled with you know, gender diversity and pay gap. That's the next thing we should really start to think about and how we can, Definitely. what solutions women can use as a mother to actually go back to job, to their, to their jobs and their feeling. Because as a mother, you actually could bring lots of other good skills. So, Yeah, because I mean, earlier we were talking about, you know, collaboration and listening to our colleagues. Um, and, you know, those are very feminine traits you know empathy and nurturing which are so essential in companies and it seems to me that there's a real lack um, or to put a positive spin on it there's a real opportunity for companies to um, nurture these skills in women when they're on maternity leave like you know, allow them to keep their 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 knowledge going, um, so that they don't fall off the wagon. Really, no, because when I went, in terms of personality changes after I had my child, mm. I basically you you suddenly feel like you have been matured. Your patience get increasingly increasingly developed. Yeah. <laughs> so. You're going to be very good in coaching, in managing people, um, in being patient. Um, time management skills go massively high when you have it because you, you literally have to fit in things when you are actually doing another full-time job, which is you you're taking care of a house and your child. So there's lots of um, positive things and... Which, which a mother can bring to a team, and if the firms would know that and nourish it, that would be that, that would be amazing, and it would have great results on the firm itself. So, yeah, I mean, I just feel like there's so much more support women can have for um, so much more support that companies can offer women who do go off to have children. Because I mean, one one half of the gender one half of the human population has to go off and actually carry that child and birth that child. And, you know, and we, we shouldn't be um, penalized for that because I think women can have it all. They can be um, significant contributors to the STEM industry, um, but they can also have children. They can do both. But it just requires support and encouragement. And I think companies 
really do have a responsibility to provide that, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and to be fair, you know, it is difficult for people who don't have children or for some men. Sometimes it's very difficult to put themselves in, in, in a mother's shoes. Yeah. And I say that because, you know, I didn't have, I, I had my child when I was on my late 30s, so I had a long-term experience before I get there. And I work with lots of people. And because I had lots of cousins and uh, lots of friends who had children before me, so I did understand women, mothers, a little bit better. Yeah. But I, t- I totally didn't understand it. My, co- my other colleagues were quite annoyed and they were like, oh, you know, it's so much job in our desk and we have to cover for this mother who had to go home because the daddy is leaving. What about me? Or even I did complain at some point because I wanted to... Um, I wanted to have a month break from a career and just go on traveling. And um, uh, that, that was the time that I, I haven't even met my husband. And uh, literally my boss, who was a mom, uh, she literally looked at me and she said, oh, you're not allowed. Either you have to resign or you're not, you're not, you're not allowed to go away because we need you. Or maybe we won't be able to replace you with someone else. No one else will do, do your job. And I literally looked at that and said, look, you had a year off go away for your child and you're the same age as me and lots of my colleagues had actually two and three and they took two to three years off i'm just in, in my 10 years career i just need one month off to go and travel <laughs> and i remember i said that to her it's very difficult when you haven't had a child to understand a mother and i remember she looked at me back and say look yes it was a career break but it wasn't a holiday and it wasn't a break yeah obviously working very hard um but I think, you know, I, I, I totally understand that, you know, some, for some other people it might be a little bit annoying. Um, but it's, I think it all comes back to having a good boss, a manager, to know how to manage things. Yeah. Um, so I was, I was working, when I was back to my company on that time, I was having Fridays off. Um, and I just realized my to-do list was piling up. And it was not mm. in my team who had two children, and she was having Friday's time off as well. So we both were quite senior, and because we were working 80% of time, 20% of our salary wasn't coming to our account. So I went back to my boss, who was a young girl. Um, she, she was basically the team manager rather than being the head of the team. So she was basically mm-hmm. on the team. So she didn't really have that experience. I went back to her and I said, you know, if you take 20% salary of mine and 20% of my colleagues, you can easily hire an associate who can cover for us on Fridays. And she can also, um, you know, when we when, when something happens, like our kids is not, you know, get sick or whatever, and we want to work from home, she's still office space and she can basically support us. And she's still doing the job. And she literally was like, oh, no, you know, it's not, it's not part of company's policy. Yeah. Yeah. So you actually get that. I think the company just need to think a little bit outside the box. Yeah. And be a bit more flexible. I mean, there's so much rigidity um, within companies, which can be really off-putting because, you know, we're all just trying to figure out how to do this thing called life, you know, balance work, balance family, balance personal, you know, like try and have well-balanced lives. And I feel like companies um, expect you to just put uh, their jobs like front and center of people's worlds. And it's not realistic. You end up generating a lot of resentment and competitiveness and ultimately people don't perform at their best. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally, I totally understand. And, and it's a lot of it going back to management. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, have you never had this request um, met then? Because it makes perfect sense to me what you're, what you asked for. Yeah, no, they didn't. And um, funny enough, uh, the day I resigned, um, and, and they, obviously the HR have the feedback sessions, um, and then I brought it up and I said, you know, it really felt lots of pressure. I had to travel a lot because one of my clients in Germany was doing restructuring and I'm based in London. So I had to travel to Germany quite often. It was fine, actually. I found that being quite nice break from home. Mm. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but um, 
But I, I felt the pressure because my to-do list was just piling up, and and I resigned. And, and actually, I, I found another job, and I resigned. And I, and on the feedback session, I actually brought it up, and I told the HR, "Look, this is the solution." I brought to the team, and it was like, you know, it doesn't fit in. And funny enough, the HR said that they were actually delighted to listen to that solution, and they said they would definitely think think about it. Um, so, yeah, just. You know, I, I, I think it's very important we get ourselves heard sometime. Yeah, and heard by people that actually want to help and make positive changes. Um, I totally agree. Because we can shout and scream all we like, but if people, you know, this young girl that you mentioned, you know, she just said, no, sorry, we can't do that. And it's like, I don't know. You you clearly want to contribute um, to the industry in the best way that you can, and you're skilled and experienced enough to really make a significant contribution. And you know there is this real culture of you know we're not going to accommodate you because you're trying to have it all. Essentially, you're trying to be every aspect of a woman, and there's almost this kind of like underlying. Um, belief that you can be replaced by someone that's going to give a hundred percent, as opposed to you giving less because you have this family life yeah, going as well. I agree. Yes, that's that's something is it's visibly there. Unfortunately, yeah. I mean, it just you know, I I, I ask on most episodes, uh, what to you is having it all because you are a woman that looks on the surface to have it all. You know, you've got a great education. You've been in the STEM industry for a long time and you've got a son and a husband. I mean, you know, what comes up for you when you're asked, you know, how do you manage to have it all? Oh, so, Recently, I mean, I think a for women is it's very important to have that agile and flexibility. And recently, I'm, I'm basically doing consulting and I'm working uh, with a company who's actually amazing providing that. Mm. Uh, maybe because also my boss is a woman and a mother, and she understands that very well. So that's that's really good. Um, but I think for women, really, is find a way around it's. And for me, it's it's about what makes me happy. I mean, I have a background of studying, working, and I couldn't just stay home and contribute 100% of my time only to my family. Mm. Um, it, that didn't make me happy because I feel like I'm not doing anything for my personal development. Yeah. So I have, you, you really need to balance. A, you, need, you need to have a job which helps you and to balance so I'm, I'm looking around there are two ways that women being successful either they have that full-time job which they're very confident in and they actually have a husband who's very supportive and they do actually um, have a good income so they can hire the best nannies and support and making sure that you know everything is fine, which is actually not that easy to manage all that, but it's still there. And they carry on with their job. They know their husband is there, their family are there to support them, and they actually manage to pay for top resources. Um, so th- those women actually, some of them are my clients, and they're doing quite well. Uh, and and when they are with the kids, they try to have quality time. So in the evening, they make sure they read books for their kids. Um, in, in the weekend, they're making sure they take them for swimming or something nice, which is more like quad time. And they make sure they have that family time. They try their best to have breakfast with their kids, coming home, have a dinner before they go to bed. So that's they try to keep it balanced. And it, other women are those who, like me, try to get to a job which actually give them more flexibility. So I can work from, unless if I have meetings, or I'm meeting clients, but I can work from anywhere. Mm. So I normally wake up something between four to six in the mornings, and it depends basically how much how, how long is my to do list. And I know my son wakes up around seven o'clock, so that gives me actually anything between um, three to one hour to mm. 
one, check my emails, get some work done with a fresh mind. When I wake up, I do 10 years of meditation because things can get too much <laughs> when you're born there. So you actually need that. So I clear my mind for 10 minutes, I wash my face, and I sit down and I get some work done. I know around 6.37, my, my son wakes up, I prepare his breakfast, we spend some time together, um, we eat, we get ready, then I drop him at school, and I go to work, or I just stay somewhere nearby in the business center, and I, and, and I start to work. Mm. And normally I pick him up in the af- in, in the mid-afternoon from school, and uh, and then we do something together, either going to after-club activities, or go swimming, or if the one is good, I take him to playgrounds, or, um, or to play dates. And uh, sometimes when I have a lot to do, um, I basically, I have, I have a helper who actually look after him. Uh, but I try to minimize that at this time because he's quite young. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, yeah, and in the evening, um, we actually do some homework, read some books, have dinner together. And then he goes to bed around 8 o'clock. I turn on my computer again and I get some work done until 11 o'clock, 12 o'clock. So this is how my typical day looks like. Gosh. And in and amongst all of that, it sounds like um, a way to really get the best out of you is to work in an environment that really trusts that you are passionate about your job. It is. And it's very difficult to keep things rolling. And um, But the reality is that this is not always going to be like this. Your child will grow up and at a certain age, he or she is going to have his own life and they're going to have very much less interactions with you. Mm. So it's really this time that you try to balance to basically be in the market, um, being updated on what's going on, um, you know, doing a bit of work, but at the same time, be there for your kid and actually experience all these amazing moments with them. Mm. Because my parents just see me two to three times a year at this time. And I wonder if that's if I if I ever going to see him maybe two times a year in a few years. Mm. So it's more important that I actually I'm there and I build that memories and experience and I support him at this stage as a mother. And in yeah, when, when he goes to senior school or he goes to university, I'm going to have the entire time to focus back again on my career and try to develop it. Mm. But having said all that, like how, what kind of support are you expecting from your company? You know, I, I completely understand the importance of being there for your young child. Um, but how, what would you need from the company to, um, because they, they just want product, productivity from you. That's all they're interested in. Um, so how are you able to make that kind of make that case to a company who are just saying, listen, we don't care about the times, the magic moments with your son. We just need you to deliver. Like, what would you need in order to deliver to them and still balance your personal life? I think very clear directions about what's expected from you and the deadline. Yeah. Because I, I don't totally understand. I mean, companies pay you and they need something back, right? And I, I totally understand yeah. that. Um, I understand at, at the current situation the market is in, there are always hundreds of people outside, millions sometimes, in certain roles who want your job. Yeah. And they're passionate about it. And I totally understand that. But I think it's very important you, as a person, also try to manage things mm. um, and, and literally have you clear deadlines for yourself for the company because I myself can I, I can see I, I don't have that flexibility anymore to go to work and stay there until 10 o'clock and just focus on finishing something I used to have that and then when I come home I have nothing to do and the weekend I can just enjoy myself because during the week I would stay as little as, as it needed to be focused work with my colleagues to get things done and finish it and I don't have that anymore and I cannot mm. have it it's very important that being a little bit communicative, and I'm, I know I know some mothers who been are in very high-profile jobs, and basically went back to their boss and said, "Look, you know, we need to reduce the workload. If you want to reduce our salaries for a short time, to it, we want still to do the same thing, 
we're going to learn the same experience, you're going to have the same expertise, but instead of doing 100%, can I do 60%? Yeah. And just be honest about what you're able to deliver. I think just be honest and, and have a backup because I, it also happens in many occasions that people don't understand you or they don't want to. Um, yeah, that's the only thing. But you, you need to show off. You need to show off and you need to deliver, otherwise people wouldn't know, you know, if, if you've really been involved or you're just, you're just cooking at mm. home, you know? Yeah. I mean, gosh, such a fascinating discussion. And we've really covered so many areas of unresolved dynamics uh, at work and juggling sort of personal life. And uh, it's been such a thought-provoking discussion. So thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. That's it from my STEM guest this week. I must say, in talking to my guest, I feel like we've really opened a few crucial cans of worms. Um, There's no doubt that my guest has a real passion for what she does, but there's also this pull um, that we face as women into motherhood and how we juggle all these different roles. And one of the things I think is something that we should be considering is just trusting that everyone wants to deliver their best and in trusting that we may take the pressure off individuals in trying to pretend that we're able to deliver in the way that we used to but trusting that we do want to deliver our best regardless catch you next week and don't forget to rate and review this show thanks for listening